Let's uh, move into the scriptures tonight. We'll be in Psalm 78. Psalm chapter 78, we'll begin there in verse 5 here in just a couple of moments. Psalm 78 there in verse 5, I've entitled this message, How to Lose Ground in a Lost World. How to Lose Ground in a Lost World. Psalm chapter 78, we'll begin there in verse 5. We look around in society and it seems like sometimes that we're losing ground. And uh, I'm going to give us some things here tonight uh, that uh, may help us to see uh, some places that we may uh, that we may need to be aware of where we can lose ground. We want to know how to lose ground in a lost world. I think there's some things that we need to be keen aware of uh, that if we uh, would mark these things, we could maybe perhaps um, do a better job in our personal lives or even as a church. Uh, and, and as the church in general throughout the world uh, to combat this, but how to lose ground in a lost world. Uh, we begin there, let's, uh, let's begin there in verse 5. Let's read a couple of verses and then let's kind of go back and, uh, and uh, see what we got. The Bible says, For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known <coughs> to their children that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare to them, to their children. There in verses 5 and 6, one of the things I want us to see tonight as we think about how to lose ground in a lost world is, is number one, forget to be a witness. Forget to be a witness. If we want to lose ground in our society, uh, ground uh, uh, in in uh, in showing people who Christ is and, and, and leading people to the Lord, there's one thing that we can definitely do, and that is, of course, to forget to be a witness. And uh, and as Christians, I think what we ought to do and understand, of course, is that uh, is that our witness is so uh, is is so uh, powerful. I mean, the way that we live and how we talk, the th- just the things that we do, uh, how we behave ourselves, conduct ourselves, and all of that out here in the world is very powerful. Now we understand there is a there needs to be a ver- a verbal. There needs to be a verbal evangelism that we have, but there also needs to be a lifestyle evangelism about ourselves that when people see it, that they can realize and say, hey, you know what, there's something different about them, Uh, you know, that they live different, they talk different, they act different, all these different types of things. And so, yes, there there needs to be a verbal witness. We need to make sure we don't forget about that, that we are... Uh, that we are uh, being a, an effective witness, you know, li- telling people about Christ and inviting people to church and all those different types of things. And But along with that, there also needs to be made sure that there is a, a lifestyle witness, that we are living a life that is uh, that is uh, giving a good testimony about Christ. And the Bible shows us here in verse 5, notice what he says the, uh, in this psalm. The Bible says that he, of course, talking about the Lord, he established a testimony, that word testimony there has the idea to be a witness. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law. And so we see a witness and there we see a law, the perfect law of God, uh, the ways of God, the teachings of God. And so uh, we see that he appointed a law in Israel. And the Bible says in this law, he commanded the fathers. Notice he said, commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. We can see there in verse 5, the ultimate bearing of responsibility to be an effective witness uh, to the home was to the fathers, and that the fathers should be an effective witness to their household, and they should live a life that is uh, not just verbally inspiring their children to live for Christ, but also uh, but also a lifestyle that is inspiring their children and inspiring their home to live for the Lord. And there in verse 5, one of the things that we see is, is he says that it was appointed by God. This wasn't just, these teachings weren't just from man. It, uh, what we have here tonight in God's word isn't just an opinion of man. It isn't just some good things that a man was sitting around one day and decided to write down. He was just sitting up underneath an oak tree one time and, and just thought, hey, you know what? These are, just, these are just some good thoughts. I think I'll just write these things down. No, this is the inspired word of God. This right here is the inspired, inerrant word of God, the infallible word of God that we have in our hands right now. This is the God-breathed word that we hold right here. This is the appointed, the, the appointed teachings of God. And the Bible says there in verse 5 that, that God gave the, the nation of Israel this law, these teachings to, to follow him. And he commanded the fathers that they should make them known to their children. 
Now we think about all the things that uh, we think about all the things that our young folks are learning today, all the things that they're being taught today. This uh, we think about the things that, uh, that that was we was just talking about earlier in in in, uh, in my office uh, here just a little while ago about how the world has changed and how things are right now, and and just talking about how 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 bad things have gotten just over time and. And I can only, I can only perhaps even dare even think and imagine as we continue to press forward in time what things will be like in another 10 years or 20 years or, and if, if God so, I'm 46 right now, if God allows me to live to 96, I can only imagine what things would be like in another 50 years. And so as we progress on and as we go through time and we see uh, different things transpired and different things happening, we understand this, that we understand that we can look around and see in society today that there's a lot of things that are being taught and there's a lot of things that are being missing as the things that are being taught. Listen, we need, we need men, we need fathers that'll step up to the plate and teach their kids and teach their homes and, and teach uh, and, and just be a verbal witness, as I said, but also a lifestyle witness where our kids will have somebody to look up to and our kids will look at their fathers and they, you know what that's the kind of man that I want to be one of these days and look up to the fathers and as an idol so to speak you know in a sense that I want to, if I can if I can try to be maybe something like that maybe one of these days we need our kids to have people that they can look up to fathers that they can look up to I mean our kids they have they have all of these uh, different um, <clears throat> they have all of these, these idols that they see on, on Facebook or on TikTok or uh, on all the other little social media things. They look at them. They see all the, the superstars and the singers and the actors. And, and they see all these things. And they look up to them and they idolize them. And perhaps in themselves say, I'd like to be like them one of these days. And listen, we need a generation of folks that will look up to mom and dad and say, I want to be like mom and daddy one day. Because mom and daddy are living their life in such a way that it is inspiring their kids to live for God. And we see here in the text, the Bible says there in verse 5 that these, uh, that these fathers, that they should make the teachings of God, that they should make the law known to their children. And we think about all the things that our, our kids are being taught today. Instead of being taught about God, they're being taught about evolution. Uh, instead of being instead of being taught about uh, that they are fearfully and wonderfully made by the hands of God, they're being taught that they can change from being a from being a boy to a girl, or they can change from being a girl to a boy. And they're being taught all these all these evil, wicked things. I mean, they kicked God out of the school. They kicked him out. They took the Bible out. They took the prayer out. They took the Ten Commandments out. They took all, they took God out. Of, uh, of all the schools uh, around the world, and what we see is that as they've done those different things, we've seen a collapse, uh, I think, in the education system, but not just that, but all around, uh, but all across the United States. And they begin to take God out of all these things that we see uh, uh, here in the United States. We begin to see things fall apart. We begin to see things collapse. We never saw the rate in crime that we've had, I think, over the last, just uh, since 2020 or 2019. I mean, the increase, the percentage rate in crime and, and all other uh, different types of, of things that's going on has, has increased exponentially over the last just several years. And we think about uh, we think about the schools today. You know, they uh, when I was in school, we was just talking about it uh, in the office. When I was in school, guys would roll up, they'd go hunting that morning. They would pull up in school, and they would have the gun rack in the back of their truck, and there'd be a gun placed across the back of it. You'd walk right past it, never thought nothing about it. You didn't worry about somebody coming in and shooting up everybody. You didn't worry about somebody coming in stabbing everybody. Uh, you, you, you didn't worry about any of those things. You, you didn't worry about. You didn't think nothing about going to church and somebody coming in and there being some kind of mass shooting. You didn't think nothing about none of that stuff. I mean, we didn't have, we didn't have SROs in all, the, in all the county school systems whenever I was growing up. You didn't have none of that stuff. But now you look around society today and every single school, they got an SRO there. Or they got one or two or three or they got more that are there on the scene because the society has gotten so wicked and evil. And one of the reasons why I believe that's happened is because there are some things that's being missing and all the teaching that's going on. The Bible says, profess, the Bible says, that professing uh, to be wise they have become fools and this world thinks it's just uh, becoming more knowledgeable and that it's increasing in knowledge and we see all the different technology and all that stuff that's come out today but listen we are teaching all these different things but we've missed 
We've missed teaching all the things that are extremely important that the kids need to know. And that's about the Lord and that's about following God. We've kept God out of all these different things. And the Bible says there in verse 5 that the fathers should make them known to their children. But listen, I can go ahead and tell you this now. Do I like the idea that prayer got kicked out of school? No. Do I like the idea that the Bible got kicked out? No. Do I like the idea that the Ten Commandments got kicked out? No. But I tell you what, to begin with, it wasn't the school's uh, obligation to do it anyway. It's mom and daddy at the house. Amen. Now, I'm just going to get that out, too. I mean, I'd rather be back where it always used to be. But listen, it's mom and daddy at the house that needs to be teaching their, ki- their children to be raised up in the admonition of the Lord. The Bible never said that it was up to the school system to do it. The Bible never said it was up to the government to do it. But it was up to mom and daddy in the home to make sure they reared those children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And listen, as God's people, if we fail to do that, as we look around in society and it looks like we see happening today, then things are just going to get worse and progressively get worse. And how do we lose ground in a, in a lost world? One of the first things that we can do in losing ground is forgetting to be an effective witness to the ones that being the most to us in our entire life. And that is our immediate household, our immediate home. You know, it was said a long time ago that so, so goes the family, so goes the nation. And I tell you what, there sure is a whole lot of truth in that. Because if we would be as moms and dads, the effective witness uh, to, to our spouse and the effective witness to our kids that maybe perhaps we need to be. I know there's a lot of factors. I know there's a lot of other things that come into play. But I tell you what, we need to make sure as moms and dads we are the effective witness that we need to be in the home. We also need to make sure that we are the effective witness out here in society today. The Bible says there in verse 5, to make the fathers that they should make them known to their children. <coughs> we think about <coughs> all the things that the kids in school are learning today and they're learning about all these different things except about the things of God. And the Bible says in his word that the foundations be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? And we think about, we think about uh, keeping God's laws and keeping God's commands and we think about uh, 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 being obedient to the cause of Christ and the things that Lord Jesus has taught us in his word. If the foundations be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? Now, and so here in the text, I think one of the first things that we can see, <clears throat> if we want to lose ground in a lost world, number one is make sure that you are, make sure you forget to be an effective witness. Make sure you forget to be a witness. Make sure you don't tell the person that you love and care about that, that Jesus can save them, that Jesus can forgive them. Make sure you don't tell your kids. Make sure you don't tell your spouse. And make sure you don't tell your neighbor. And, uh, and make sure you don't tell anybody what Christ can do for them. Because if, if, you, want to, if, you, want to, uh, if you want the world to fall into a place of sin and ruin uh, and, and, and progressively get worse and worse and worse, then just don't be a light. Don't be an effective witness to anybody. Don't tell anybody nothing about God. Don't worry about just verbally witnessing, but live. Don't, don't even worry about being a lifestyle witness. And you do all those things by the guarantee. It's by the guarantee that we can lose ground in a lost world. There in verse 5, he says, make them known to the children. There in verse 6, notice he says, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born. Now, and so there in verse 5, we're talking about, listen, we need to make sure that we're teaching the laws of God and the things of God to our kids because if not, we're going to lose ground. But look, we're going to go even further than that there in verse 6 because there is a generation to come that, that, so that uh, we teach them because there is a generation to come even after them that they might know them. Listen, not only do I want my kids to know what it's like to serve God, but I want my grandkids to know what it's like to serve God. Not only do I want my kids to know that, that, it, that it's valuable, to, to, that, that, that it's needful to put God first in your life and, and that they need to come to church and that they need to pray and that they need to read their Bibles and that they need to be a witness. Listen, I don't just want them to know that, but I want my grandkids to know that and I want my great-grandkids to know that and, and even further and further on down the line, folks in my family that I've never met, that, 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 that I will never meet in my life that will come long after maybe perhaps I'm gone. But I like the idea of knowing uh, that the things that have been reared up and taught in them, that it would progress and go forward for generations to come. And there in verses 5 and 6, the Bible shows us that as fathers, we need to make sure that we are being this effective witness, that we are, that we are being these leaders that we need to be. 
there in verse 6 that the generation to come, you know, I think about that and I think about all these young folks sitting on the pew over here and those sitting in the back and scattered throughout over here. All these young, all these young people here uh, tonight, this is the next generation that's coming up. They're the ones that's going to be teaching the Sunday school classes and they're the ones that one day are going to be perhaps leading the music and they're the ones that are one day going to be sitting in the nursery and taking care of that and doing all the things that we're, that we're doing. Some of them are already doing stuff already. But I'm just simply saying the, we are passing the torch to these young people and if we don't have nobody to pass it to, the torch is going to fall on the ground. And we as a people got to make sure that we are, uh, that we are being, number one, a witness, uh, that we are letting people see the cause of Christ and understand the importance of the cause of Christ. There in verse 6, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born. Watch this now. And what should they do? Who should arise and declare to them, to their children, declare them to their children. So we can see that the teaching is to progress forward, that the teaching is not to be forgotten, that the things that God has laid set, uh, that the things that God has said in his word, that it just progressed to move forward. And there in verse 7, the Bible says, for what purpose? The Bible shows us that they might set their hope in God. Why is teaching the next generation so important? Why is, why is teaching them uh, the laws of God so important? Why is teaching them what God said so important? Why is teaching them that church is so important and serving is so important? Why is teaching them that uh, their prayer is so important and carrying the Bible with them, that that's so important, that they, that they memorize scripture? Why is that so important? The Bible says there in verse seven that they might set their hope in God because listen, I can tell you what, a generation that grows up that don't do these things and has no knowledge of God and uh, the Bible says that, listen, that without God, you're without hope in this world. And if we raise up a generation of kids and grandkids that don't know God and don't know about the things of God, then they are, they are lost in this world without hope. And, and so listen, we, and they will be living in a, in a hopeless situation. And so there in verse 7, what we want to do is, is provide an environment that they might set, set their hope in God. Verse 7 that they might set their hope to set has the idea to to place to to put something that it has a, a a firm position that they might set their hope they might have a place in God watch this now and not forget the works of God but keep His commandments and listen we just we're living in a society today where I mean you just look around and it seems like it seems like sometimes in some places uh, uh, that we, we, we just wonder, uh, you know, sometimes we can feel like Elijah. Is there anybody else left out here? You know, Elijah, at some time, he thought he was the only one. He thought, man, is there, is, I'm the only one that's out here. Is there anybody else out here that wants to serve God? And listen, sometimes we can feel like as Christians that we're in that position. Uh, and so listen, we need to be an effective witness. We need to make sure that we are teaching, especially those who are in our own household, the importance a serving God. And there in verse 7, so that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. There in verse 8, the Bible says, and watch this now, and might not be as their fathers. Listen, the last thing we want to do is, is there, come upon a, there come upon us and a stubborn and a rebellious generation. There in verse 8, as the psalmist is speaking, he's talking about the importance of making sure that we don't forget to teach our kids and, and, and they don't forget to teach their kids and they don't forget to teach their kids because at some point when somebody drops the ball, you know where it's going to get to? It's going to get to a point where there's going to be a stubborn and rebellious generation that will rise up that won't listen to nothing. And no matter what you try to teach them and no matter what you try to tell them and no matter what examples are set before them, they'll be so stubborn. They'll look at it and they'll be so stubborn. You'll teach it and they'll be so stubborn and you'll talk to you blue in the face and you'll do everything you can to be a witness, but they will be so stubborn and so stiff-necked and so rebellious that they will not hear. And we look around, sometimes it makes you wonder if we're in that kind of position already that if we dropped the ball a long time ago and continuing to drop the ball even further, even now, and we look around and we think to ourselves, are we living in kind of a, a stubborn, rebellious generation today? And I dare say, I think we are. I'd say we are living in a stiff-necked, stubborn, rebellious generation. And it's not all this generation's fault. Listen, it's part of my fault too. And I'll just go ahead and take blame for that. 
And I believe if we'd all be honest with ourselves and we'd probably all say, you know what, maybe perhaps I hadn't been the effective witness that I need to be and maybe perhaps I, I haven't done everything that I could and I dare know none of us, none of us have, but I'm just simply saying that, listen, we, we are living in the midst of a stubborn and rebellious generation uh, and that whenever we talk about the things of God and the works of God and, and what Christ can do for them, that it seems like it, it, seems like it falls on hard hearts and, and oftentimes it seems like we, uh, that, that everything, we're, we, we're speaking truth, but, but it's like there is such a barrier that it's like everything we say seems to hit a wall and fall to the ground. And the Bible shows this there in verse 8. And might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation. A generation, watch this now, that set not their heart aright, whose spirit was not steadfast with God. And as Asaph here in this, uh, in this psalm is talking about the importance of making sure that we are a witness to each other, that we are a witness to the world as he is, as he is speaking of these things. He then begins to give an example there in verse 9. It's amazing that he, it, when, when I think about this, it just, I was just amazed by this and, uh, and just the example that he, that he wanted to set because this was the first thing he thought of. Because as, as Asaph was saying, that the, one of the most important things that we can do in life is to make sure that as God's people that we are witnessing to our families, that we are witnessing to our kids, and of course to a lost and dying world as well so that everybody knows about the things of God and the, and the promises of God and, 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 and the things that God has said. But here we can see, as when he gets to verse 9, he says, in essence, I'm going to give an example of what happens to a generation. I'm going to give an example of what happens to a generation when they cease to teach their kids about the things of God. So he gets to verse 9, and he says this. He gets to verse 9, and he says, The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his way and forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them. So there in verses 9 to 11, there's one thing we see. Not only do we need to make sure that we are, uh, that, that not only do we need to, uh, uh, if we want to lose ground in the lost world, make sure that you forget to be a witness. But there's another thing that you need to do is you need to make sure that you forget the weapons that you have. Notice what happens there in verse 9. The Bible says that children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. You see, here we see God's people. We see the nation of, uh, we see, we see Ephraim, one of the tribes of Israel. Oftentimes when Ephraim was mentioned, uh, sometimes it would also include Manasseh. And sometimes the tribes were together because they were brothers. And so, and, and so when the tribes were together, they in essence made up a bigger tribe than actually all the other tribes than all of the other tribes. And what we see here is I think one of the reasons why he brought Ephraim up is because he says, listen, you know, sometimes people, they get so big, even a tribe can get so big, a nation can get so big that they think they don't need God. We're more, listen, we're more powerful than everybody else. We got more numbers than everybody else. We have more than everybody else has. Listen, we don't need God anymore. We can make up our own laws. We can do our own thing. We can fight our own fight. We don't need God anymore. And so there in verse nine, he says he uses the children of Ephraim as being one of the biggest tribes there, putting Ephraim and Essence really and Manasseh together. And the children of Ephraim, notice the Bible says they were armed. The Bible says they were carrying bows. He speaks of an instance where the nation of Ephraim went into battle and they went into battle without God. One of the, one of the biggest, uh, the, the biggest tribes that, that Israel had and they fought a battle. They fought it without God. They didn't need God. They didn't want God around. They didn't want nothing to do with God. And the Bible says they went in and they went in, they had, they, they went in armed and the Bible says they went in with bows in their hand but what happened was was after they went in we see them the Bible tells us there in verse 9 we see them retreating they turned back in the day of battle if there's one thing that we're going to have to make sure that we recognize in this world, listen, if we want to lose ground in a lost world today, number one, make sure that you're not a witness, but number two, make sure you forget about the weapons that you have. What kind of weapon do I have this, what kind of weapon do I have tonight? Listen, I have this sword of truth right here in my hand, right? I've got this sword of truth right here. Listen, let us not, let us, let us make sure that we don't, that we don't neglect to show our kids what real faith is, what true faith is, that they see it demonstrated in our life, that we're not just a people 
people that just talks to them about having faith, but we're a people that demonstrates what having faith is all about, that we're not just a people that just, uh, that just recites verses about faith, but that we live a life that they can see, yes, my parents demonstrated faith in their life. My church demonstrated faith in its life and that they can see these things. And the Bible says there in verse 9, Ephraim being armed and carrying bows turned back in the day of battle. Uh, listen, the Bible says in Psalm 20, verse 7, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord God. Listen, let me tell you something. When we, when we as a family or we as personally or even we as a church, a community or a country, when we begin to trust in our own weapons, when we begin to trust in our own uh, in, our, in our own provisions and we begin to trust in our own selves and think, listen, I have enough and I've got plenty and we don't need God. We don't need none of that legend. We don't need none of that superstition. We don't need none of that. We don't need none of that invisible person that you're talking to in the air. We don't need none of that stuff. And, and that's what in essence they had come to. We don't need God anymore. We're the biggest tribe that there is. We have arms and, and we have bows and we're going to march into battle and we're going to be successful and we're going to be okay only to march in to find themselves retreating and on the run. They marched in strong. They marched in with everything they had, but they marched in without God. And my Bible tells me that if God be for us, who can be against us? Now, I'm just telling you here tonight, if we want to lose ground in the lost world, one of the first things that we can do is forget to be an effective witness. And the second thing that we can do is forget about the weapons of our warfare because the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're spiritual. Pulling down strongholds there in, uh, in imaginations in, this, uh, in our life and pulling down strongholds in our life. And, and so listen, don't forget about the weapons that you have at your disposal. You have faith and you have prayer and you have God's word. And listen, we have each other. We have each other. Listen, we're not just out here trying to solo long ranger out here in this world. Listen, we got, we, we, listen, we, we are a brethren. We are a church interconnected one with another to help each other and to encourage each other. And the Bible shows us here that Ephraim being armed and carrying bows turned back in the day of battle. And Asaph uh, showed us an example of what of what it's like to try to live for God. I mean, to try to live in this world and fight in this world without God. You want to lose ground in the lost world, the first thing you can do is forget to be a witness. The second thing you can do is forget about the weapons that you have. Uh, because we are, as I said, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We go to Ephesians chapter 6 and we put on the weapons that God tells us to put on there and we put on the full armor of God. We try to live our life out here in this world and we try to be an effective uh, witness out here in this world without and forgetting about the weapons that we have will be disastrous. The Bible says there in verse 9, one of the things you don't want to do is go into, go into battle armed and carrying bows because you'll find yourself turning back in the day of battle. There's perhaps a lot of people out here in the world today that they thought they were doing good. They thought they were fine. They didn't need God anymore. And, you know, I have all that I need and, and, uh, and decided to go it alone or decided to go in without God and found themselves turning back in the day of battle. Sometimes we see these things happen in, in, in lives. The Bible shows us here there in verse 10, notice what else they did? The Bible says in verse 10, they kept not the covenant of God. Watch this now. They refused to walk in his law. The nation of Ephraim, they trusted in their arms. They trusted in their bows. They Instead of trusting and believing in God, the Bible says there in verse 10, they kept not the covenant of God. They refused to walk in his law. Listen, it wasn't that they didn't know it. It's that they didn't want to have nothing to do with it. Listen, you can't refuse something you don't know nothing about. They were offered God's law. They were given God's law. They looked at it and they said, no, we don't want that. No, we don't need none of that. We're okay. We're going to go fight without God. We're going to live without God. We're going to walk in our own way. Yes, you know, and the Bible tells us that a man can walk in his own way, but the ends are of his death. But you know what? They decided to walk in their own way, to walk in their own direction. And whenever they did, the Bible says they came back. They came back and retreated off the battlefield. We want to lose ground in a lost world. There's one thing that we can do is forget to be a witness and forget the weapons that we have. And the Bible says there in verse 10, the Bible says they kept not the covenant of God. They refused uh, to walk in his law, which brings us to the next thing is not only do we see forget the witness and not only do we uh, see forget the weapons, but number three, forget the walk. The Bible says in verse 10 that they refuse to walk in the law. 
as this, as this tribe of Israel, they were in essence living in rebellion against God. And when they tried to live, and when they lived in rebellion against God, they went out to try to fight uh, without God and live without God. And we see them running back in total humiliation. It seems that as they marched out on the battlefield, that God let them go in the direction that they wanted to go. God let them do what they wanted to do. And they walked out of the battlefield without divine assistance. You know, sometimes God will just, you know, I think God just lets you go the direction you want to go. You know, we sometimes we can be so stiff-necked and stubborn against God as we can see Ephraim here. God does everything he can to try to, just like it right here, they refuse the law. Listen, don't, don't turn away from God. But listen, but, but take the law of God. Listen, this is the right way. You know this is right. No, I don't want no part of it. And they begin to live their life without God. They, they didn't want the covenant of God. They wanted to break fellowship. We don't want nothing to do with God. We're going to live our own way. We don't want nothing to do with his book. We don't want nothing to do with his teachings. And they begin to do their own thing. And what happened is they marched out on the battle field of life and they faced the devil on their own and God just stood there and says alright I'll let you see how this works hmm. I wonder how many people are living in their life today who in essence have kind of done this very same thing and God's just sitting there not because he don't love them but because sometimes we're such a stiff necked and stubborn people that he just sits there and lets us do what our heart's desire is and whenever he lets us do what our heart's desire is is in those moments where we learn some of, those, some of the most valuable lessons that we can ever learn, and that is don't live your life and don't go to battle without God. Listen, we always want to make sure we're on God's side. Amen? We always want to make sure that we're on the side of God. The Bible shows us here, in essence, they went out there. Did God know they were going out there? Yes, of course he did, but you know what? He didn't stop them. He let them go. They didn't want the covenant of God. They refused to walk in his way. So their walk. Listen, if we want to lose ground in lost world, number one, forget to be a witness. Number two, forget about the weapons that you have. And number three, don't worry about the walk of God. Notice, let's keep reading. And the Bible says there in verse 11, and the Bible says, and forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them. Verse 12, let's keep reading. Notice some of these things. And what are some things that they forgot? The Bible says in verse 12 and following, the Bible says some things they forgot is the marvelous things that it did in the sight of their fathers. In the land of Egypt and in the field of Zon, watch this now, and so Asaph begins to bring up, he says, I'm going to tell you some things they forgot about. This was part of their weakness. This was something that, 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 was, that, that was detrimental to them. They forgot some massively important things. And this became the foretruth, their weakness. The weakness was their lack of memory. And he says there in verse uh, 13, some things that they forgot was, the Bible says that he divided the sea. That he divided the sea and caused them to pass through. What they had forgotten was that, that it was God that led them down to the Red Sea. But, and whenever they got to a place where they thought they couldn't go any longer, that it was God that opened up the sea and allowed passage for his people. Listen, sometimes I've heard messages preached on that on the Red Sea talking about don't let the Red Sea be the Dead Sea. And listen, let me tell you what, when the, uh, sometimes we get to a place and we feel like, hey, maybe it's even God-led and we get down to this place and we think, where in the world am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do now? And just in that moment when we think we can't do anything and when we, look, turn around, we turn around, Pharaoh's behind us and we look forward and we look this way and we see nothing but a red sea that we can't get across. And we're thinking, all right, Lord, I'm trying to follow you. What am I going to do? And about that time, whoosh, God opens up the Red Sea. He said one of the things that they forgot was how God could provide wondrous things for them. Things that they had never seen before happen. In history, this is the very first time that we see anything like this happen. The waters split. The Bible says that the waters whoosh, stood upon a heap, rushed up into the sky. Miles wide, this had to have been for all these millions of Jews to cross over in a night. All that water just backed up and whoosh. He said they forgot. Part of their weakness was forgetting the power of God. Part of their weakness was forgetting the presence of God in the midst of it all. Part of their weakness 
was believing that God maybe perhaps couldn't do some amazing things like he did a long time ago. And listen, I say that just to say this because I hear people say all the time, and I know you've heard it said before, I will never see the great revivals that the world had a long time ago. We'll never see this, we'll never see this, we'll never see that. Listen, I know that the world's in a I, listen, I know that the world's in a decline, but just because it's in a decline and the Lord Jesus is going to come back, listen, I know I know how it all goes, but listen, I'm just telling you, it doesn't mean that there still can't be some awesome revivals in our day that have never even happened in the past. Let us not forget that it's the same God. The same God that was here, the the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And so we continue to pray for big things. Back here in the back, I bring this up all the time. Us men, we're praying back here in the room. And we pray and we say, God, show us amazing things. God, do some things that we've never seen happen before. Because God can do those things. And we have to believe that he can. Because when we start losing sight of that faith and that belief that God can do, that, that, that we can come to a place at the Red Sea and have nowhere to go and turn around and the devil's hide on our heels and turn around and say, well, what are we going to do now? If we forget that God can split the Red Sea and do some amazing things, it'll be a weakness to us. It'll be a weakness. It was a weakness to them because uh, as they were all chiding Moses for following God and leading and leading them all down there. And they were, all right, Moses, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? Would you bring us out here to die? We'd been better off just staying back in Egypt. As they were all doing that, God showed them something amazing. So when they forgot about the power of God, it became a weakness for them because then they began to churn and they began to complain and they began to get angry and they began to get frustrated because they forgot about the power of God. They weren't thinking that the same God they forget the same God that rose, that uh, rose the mountains up out of the sea, and the same God that created all the creeping things, the same God that created the, the birds in the air and the fish in the sea, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, the same God that formed man out of the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils a breath of life, that the same God that done all those things can still be the same God that can empower them and do things for them tonight. Listen, if God's people, if we will be, if, 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 if we're going to lose ground in a lost and dying world, if we forget to be a witness, we're going to lose ground in a lost and dying world if we forget the weapons that we have at our disposal because we have some powerful, we have some powerful spiritual weapons. Listen, we're going to lose some ground in a lost and dying world if we forget about walking with God and, and, and we're going to lose some ground in a lost and dying world if we allow the troubles that we face and the things that we look at in life, the challenges that we have, it'll be, and, and don't think that God can overcome them because those will be a, a weakness for us. And listen, once you get a weakness, the devil will have your number and he'll dial that in every single time. Oh, he's, oh, he's weak on that. Oh, she's weak on that. Beep, 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 beep. He'll have your number. And the devil will use it against you every time. And the Bible shows us here we see their weakness. The Bible says they forgot his works and his wonders that he showed them. Their lack of memory and forgetfulness became a weakness to them. Howbeit, we are not living for him, but we are walking with him. And it becomes easy for us to forget the Lord until something happens that reminds us of how wrong we were for leaving. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 6 18. We won't read it tonight, but God gives the nation a reminder of how important it is to follow him and not forget him in the midst of his blessings. They had forgot some, as they had forgot, as the Bible would call, marvelous things. Notice there in verse twelve, they forgot the marvelous things that he did in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt. And notice what he did there in verse thirteen. What they forget? They forgot that he divided the sea and caused them to pass through. They forgot that he made the waters to stand as a heap. They forgot that in the daytime he also led them with a cloud. They forgot that all the night with the light of fire that God was there. They forgot that as they were marching through into the promised land uh, that, that he claimed the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink out of the great depths and brought streams also out of the rock and caused the waters to run down. They forgot these moments whenever they were following God and as they were thirsty and as they were, their, their, their throats were parched and as they were hungry, how is God going to take care of us out here? They forgot that the same God that can part the Red Sea is the same God that can make, uh, that can make water come out of a rock. And they forgot 
not only they forgot the the wonders that God could do. This was the next one. How to lose ground in a lost world is forget the wonders. And I know sometimes you hear me bring all bring a lot of stuff up that's just happened here in the last seven years because that's all I know is what's happened here in the last seven years. And you say, preacher, why do you talk about this all the time? At least we'd be a people that forget the things that God has done. I don't say it because of any other really purpose. It excites me when I think about all the things that God has done here in our church over the last several years. But at least we'd be a people that forget about the great things that God has done. At least we'd be a people that begins to think that it was because we did something. At least we'd be a people that thinks because, listen, it all looks this way because of my strength or my power or, 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 or my leadership or whatever it is. Listen, it's about God. It's not about a man. And the Bible shows this right here. He says, listen, one of the weaknesses that they had in life was that they forgot about the wonderful things that God had done. And when they forgot about the wonderful things that God had done in their life, it became a weakness to them and it hindered them. And the Bible says, we're getting ready to stop. And the Bible says in verse 17, after he had done all these things, notice in verse 17, the Bible says, and they sinned yet more against him. By provoking the Most High in the wilderness. One thing that we need to make sure that we don't forget. And you say, you mean, (laughs) one thing we need to make sure that we don't forget, of course, I know we're forgetting things here, but one thing you need to make sure you don't forget is those wilderness times because I tell you what, those wilderness times when we think about where we were in those wilderness and we begin to ask questions, notice they begin to ask questions. You ever been in a point in your life when you begin to say, God, I don't know how you're going to do this. I don't know how you're going to work this out. You think about God's people. Here they are. They're walking out here in the wilderness and their, their, their throats are parched, but they haven't seen God do tremendous things, but here they are walking around parched and don't know exactly how God's going to do something. <clears throat> and I want you to notice the Bible says even after then, verse 17, after they sinned yet again against God, after they begin to provoke God, and verse 18, they begin to tempt God in their heart by asking me for, as they begin to continue to sin against God and doubt God, notice the Bible says in verse 19, they spake against God. And when they spake against God, they said to themselves, that they, as they looked maybe perhaps at the, the desperate situation that they felt that they were in, though God was leading them, God was in control, God had done all kinds of marvelous things, were they in the most, were they in the most, uh, what would you say, comfortable position to be? No. But I tell you what, it was a whole lot better than what they were in. And God was trying to train them and mold them and make them into a people that would, that would depend and trust in him. And as they began to doubt God and begin to provoke God, they began to say things like this as they looked at their adversary, as they looked at the situation that they were in. It looked like an impossible situation for them. Notice, we got millions of people around, all of God, millions of them, all of God's people all around. And they're thinking, how are we going to survive? How are we going to live? And they begin to ask God a question. And the Bible says in verse 19, they said, what did they say? They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness. Can God really provide everything that we need in these dark situations, in these dry situations, in these desolate situations? Do we have a God that can provide everything we need? That out here in the middle of the wilderness, can he, prov- can he set up a table and put on that table everything that we need to survive and live out here in the wilderness? And the Bible says, of course he did. The Bible says there in verse 20, Behold, he smote the rock that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. He gave them bread also, manna that fell from heaven. He provided flesh for his people every day. The quails came. Listen, every single day, God sent in the quails. Every single day, manna fell from heaven. Every single day, water came out of the rock. Every single day, they had exactly what they needed in an impossible situation. How can we lose ground in a lost and dying world? Number one, forget to be a witness. Number two, forget your weapons. Number three, forget your walk. Number four, forget the wonders. And number five, forget the works. Forget the works that God can do. 
There in verse 19, they begin to question God and begin to doubt God. Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? And he sure did. He gave them water. He gave them bread. And he gave them meat to eat. And they looked around at an impossible situation in life and God provided. And Asaph here in this message says, as he's talking about some things that we need to make sure in life that we don't need to forget. How can we lose ground in a lost and dying world? Number one, of course, forget to teach your kids. Because that's where it starts. Forget to teach your kids. Listen, all these kids, they come here and listen, the church does everything it can to teach the kids, does everything it can. Listen, that's part of what we want to do, part of our desire, part of what we're called to do. But it's mom and but it all starts with mom and daddy. It actually don't start with me. It don't start with your Sunday school teacher. It don't start with the daycare teacher. It don't start with the government, and it ain't never gonna. It starts with mom and daddy. Teaching these kids the right way. Because if we don't, everything else just falls in succession. Because when we forget to teach them right, we forget to teach them right, what happens is, is they begin to... Now listen, I understand these people that's taught... These, and I have good friends... That have drilled, they they growed up in church and have walked away from God. I have them. I do. But I'm just trying to get you to see and understand that if we teach our kids about the Lord, we teach them about the Lord. We nurture them in the admonition of God. We grow them up and raise them up and teach them the right way. They have it in their heart. Even though. They may not be living for God right now. Even though they may not want nothing to do with God right now. There's one thing that you gave them that they'll never get rest of. And that is the seeds of God's teachings that you have placed inside their heart. That will leave them uncomfortable. Leave them uncomfortable. Teaching our kids about God is so important. That's where it starts. Let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you so much for this night. God, you've been so good. Lord, I pray that you'd help us this evening. Lord, help us to be all these things that we need to be for you. Help us not to forget these things that we don't need to forget. God, I pray that you'd bless the night. Lord, help us as we get ready to uh, go to the back and fellowship and have refreshments together. But God, before we do, when the piano plays, we're just going to open up the altar here tonight before we go in the back. And if anybody would like to come up and pray, you're more than welcome to. Just whenever the piano starts playing, if you want to come up, you're more than welcome to do so. Whatever it is that God's laid on your heart. May, listen, it could be tonight that you're just saying, you know what, Lord, please help me not to forget these things in my life. I don't want to forget to be a witness. I don't want to forget that I need to make sure that I'm walking with you and that I'm walking for you. God, I, I don't want to make sure that I don't forget the weapons that I have at my disposal, that, that I understand what they are and how powerful that they are, that they're not just weapons of this world. They're not carnal things. But God, the weapons of prayer, the weapons of your word, God, that you have given me can pull down strongholds. God, that they are mighty and can pull down the mightiest things. God, help me not to forget the wonders that you have done in my life. I can honestly stand here and say tonight that one of the things that's one of the things that has given me so much strength in my life is looking back and remembering all the wonders that God has done. How God's always came through. How God's always been there. How God's always been faithful. When we begin to forget these things, our faith begins to wane. When we begin to forget His strength and we begin to forget His power and we begin to forget His wonders and we begin to forget His ways. When we begin to forget all these things, we open up the door to rebellion. We open up the door to loss, ruin, and perhaps humiliation. Instead of getting victory in our life, we find ourselves on the retreat. Maybe it is here tonight that you're just saying, God, just help me. Help me to be this witness. Help me, God, to walk 
I got kids, I got grandkids, I got great grandkids. God, I want them, when they think about mom and daddy, when they think about grandma and grandpa, when they think about great grandma and great grandpa, when they think about their uncle, when they think about their aunts, what I want them to see is a person that lives for God. Listen, sometimes you may be the only witness that this next generation may have. Sometimes you may be the only voice of Christ that they may hear. Sometimes it may be that you're the only example that they see. But they need to see it. They need to witness it. And they need to hear it. Because if they don't see it from you and they don't hear it from you, where are they going to get it? Our kids and our young folks, the world has them a whole lot longer than the church does. We're in here Wednesday night for an hour. We're in here on Sunday morning from 10 to 12.30. We're in here on Sunday night. The Sunday night service from 6 to 7. The world has them the rest of the time. We got to be a witness. We can't forget. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for being here tonight. And as we said earlier, you're more than welcome to come to the back. Got some. Uh